0: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 58. We're going to call it ESG Investing. If you're listening, please make sure to five-star rate and subscribe. Support the podcast wherever you're listening. Of course, we're going to talk about what's in the news this week. Next, in our roundtable, we'll talk about ESG Investing. We have a question of the week. And finally, personal update. Of course, thank you for listening and supporting Team New Street. Share the podcast wherever you are listening. Let's listen, let's uh, get ready for the show, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, everyone, what's in the news? We got our market update first. Um, so pretty much what we're seeing is the market doing a correction. And if you remember on WEX, I don't know if anyone is awake. I was on WEX like a few months back, start of the year. I talked about my picks at the start of the year, um, and I also talked about what I saw for the market for... 2021, and I saw that there would probably be a correction around end of quarter one, um, beginning of quarter two, which we are nearing end of quarter one, and there is a slight market correction, which is fine. I guess we, especially for long-term investors, we should be buying and taking advantage of lower asset prices, taking advantage of a correction, taking advantage of a pullback, taking advantage of better entry points. Um, in the sense of, if you have extra liquidity, if you're buying monthly, you should already be doing that, um, and so. What we're seeing is, you know, a raise in interest rates. So the people, the folks, um, are looking at, and it's a, it's a, so the bond yields versus stocks. It's like a it's supposed to be, an in, supposedly an inverse relationship when it comes to finance, right? Like rise of rates equals risk off, and supposedly people investing more in bonds and leaving equities, which is not always the case. It Was actually an article I read that showed research that in periods of going back to like the early nineteen nineties, in periods of rising rates that the stock market actually performs better over the year. But it's one of those finance jargons where people see it, they use it, the media push perpetuates it. And so there's a risk off where there's a little bit of a correction, which is okay for long-term investors, especially since we've had such a run-up uh, recently. Um, but with you know the treasury yield jumping, you're seeing a sell-off in sort of the market, uh, which you know we have a we have a, another stimulus coming through, which that I don't know if that's already priced in the market. We may see this correction end here after volatility in a few weeks, um, and you know. R- And we open up, or we're looking to open up, you know, end of summer uh, as the earliest indications from, you know, the big decision makers, especially the administration. I think said end of summer, they expect to have everyone availability for every COVID shot to be taken by everyone. So that's ability for, you know, the market, something to be priced in the market. So that's what you're seeing in the market. Volatility, you're seeing sell off, you're seeing volatility. Um, and good opportunities for for longer term investors to to be buying at different at, at, at low that low, will lower valuations. And so that's something that you're seeing in the markets currently. Let's jump over to the news. In the news, Google will stop using your individual browser history history to sell targeted ads. So this big um, influx or fight on, you know, Privacy, privacy data, how's your data being used, how is your data being used to sell you targeted ads. You probably realize or notice if you've ever said something in your phone or said something or talking to a friend, the advertisement shows up on your phone. Um, and so what happened is last year, Google said it would remove third-party cookies from Chrome by 2022. These p- tiny pieces of data are widely used to track your individual browsing activity from site to site. Um, yesterday, yesterday, Google said that it won't introduce new ways to track individual browsing once cookies are gone. Um, so man, that's interesting. It could be you know, interesting for Google. I know their biggest slice of their revenue is advertising. So what does that mean for them? Are there alternate ways? Um, how will this affect advertisers? They said it would be, a they can expect at least a 95% of the conversions per dollar spent compared to cookie-based advertising. So Wall Street isn't really worried, but the shares fell 1%. Interesting thing. Uh, we're going to see more of these fight with data, with privacy um, going on with tech companies in general, um, the ones that sell data. So that's a su- interesting fight you'll see going forward. Um, it's something to watch closely. Let's move to um rot- to Disney. Disney is closing twenty percent of its brick and mortar Disney stores before the end of the year as it shifts to more focus shifts more focus to e-commerce business. Uh, smart move, I think everyone's realizing that you have to have e-commerce strength in this day and age. and It's been pulled forward by the pandemic, so Disney wants to get rid of some overhead and they're closing down some stores. They're going to shut out twenty Disney stores located in North America. I didn't even know. I guess I'm not one of those kids that went to Disneyland and Disney World as a kid. Um, I didn't know they had like really stores. What are in the stores? Like what can you buy? Could someone let me know? I have no clue. I've never been to a Disney store per se. Um, but they're trying to increase the, the direct-to-consumer, their e-commerce. That's something that they've been really focused on, you know, Disney+, Plus, Hulu, ESPN, all those different areas. Um, they're shifting their resources to outside and moving away from the high overhead brick-and-mortar, which is a smart move for any company in this day and age. Moving on to a non-smart move, as some would say, the Texas governor, Governor Abbott, Gregory Abbott. It's Greg, but I called him Gregory because I think that sounds cooler. But he scrapped the state's mask mandate so that businesses of any kind will be allowed to operate at full capacity beginning March 10th, which is next Wednesday. Uh, the fallout is splitting the Texas business community. Uh, you're seeing split, I'm sure, on the red and blue side. Um, people are just um not happy with it. Some people are., uh, you've seen gym operators that are have dropped the mask magnate in mask mandate in Texas. Um, many health many health experts argue the move could be lead to a resurgence of the virus, and some business owners say they're worried because a statewide mask mandate gave them cover when dealing with mask resistant customers. I agree with that. like we cannot have people that don't want to wear a mask in a, in a crowded space, that wouldn't make sense, um, especially if you're in a restaurant and the waiters and waitresses um, are serving a bunch of people per day. That's um, not conducive for them. So um, Texas, and I know Mississippi also announced this. I'm sure there's going to be other states, um, especially with Republican governors, to go ahead and do this. Um, so we'll see what happens. We're going to be watching their... Or, um their cases and what happened. So and other governors said there were ease restrictions, including Mississippi, Iowa, and Montana. So um that's something that we'll be watching and hopefully everybody stays safe out there. Um let's move on to more fun and Gen Z news. Um Netflix. Netflix has just done something surprising and they're they just launched uh, their fast last so the TikTok like mobile feature that allows ios users in some countries to scroll through comedy focused short clips of netflix shows um so i think that's pretty good this is smart because it allows for this like tiktok blew up because the algorithm because people love the, the fun the wit the gen z the dancing um this is allowing people to to netflix to capitalize on their fun clip Clip, clip like moments, viral moments uh, on their shows, where people can send them to each other. Um, they could see it. It'd be you know face up, face to screen, kind of like how TikTok is, instead of turning your screens, uh, your phone sideways to look at it on your phone. But they're really trying to capitalize on this social media, this eyeballs, this content day and age we live in. Just quick content. Niche communities, um, everyone looking for ways to entertain themselves. and that's a one way Netflix wants to capitalize on that. I think it's a smart move. I actually like it. Um, it'll make Netflix a more what do we call it? It'll make Netflix a more kind of a tie into that Gen Z to that social media community because Netflix does well on social media, but I think this is another way for them to capitalize on that. And so you know something super interesting to watch out for. Back to politics. I guess I should have had the story after the Texas story, but this is uh, another bad political quick. quip. Governor Cuomo, New York governor, says he plans to remain in office following multiple allegations of harassment. Um, he said he now understands he acted in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. Uh, obviously, this is a big story that's been going out about you know Cuomo and and some allegations made against him. I don't. I didn't read too much of the details. So I won't speak too much on it. Uh, but it is something obviously to watch out for. What's going to happen? What's the fallout? Um, praying for the victims and everybody involved in that, or the alleged victims. And we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that. Other quick news: Amazon is in talks with the NFL to air a significant number of Thursday night games exclusively on Prime Video. I actually like this. I love when Yahoo Finance, Twitter, Twitter used to run Thursday night games right off the phone app. It was awesome. I wish they re-upped that contract. Twitter did it. Yahoo Finance is done it now. Amazon's getting it. The NFL biggest pastime in the US. And it's something that, you know, everyone wants to get a piece of they Had a great last season. Um, and this is something to keep our eyes on with that. Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, founder, CEO, the the godfather of value investing, which value in stocks I haven't done that well recently. Um, but Buffett says his um, he had a legendary, his, he had his legendary famous annual letter and he um, talked to shareholders about what's going on in the market. Um, He talked about his firm, um, but let's go to benchmarking. Berkshire Berkshire compared its stock performance to the S&P index. So uh, S&P is one of the major indexes, and he used that to compare his performance of his company, Berkshire Shares. Um, So in 2020, 2020, this S&P rose approximately 16%. Berkshire shares rose two percent. Mm, mm, interesting. Um, so, uh, a little interesting. I think what he's a big value investor, which value stocks have not done well in comparison to like growth and tech stocks. And he he's actually you know late to the game when it comes to like Amazon and Apple. Um, but he's still one of the best in the world, um, if not the best. Um, there's other people that are being touted as the best. Um, you know, as a younger younger investors. Um, hopefully, Team New Street feels like we can get us out there as the best. I think we are going to be one of the best ever to do this, and that's our goal, to work hard every day, do the right things over day. It's never a get-rich-quick scheme. It's like a lot of people want to do it. They put the the horse – what's the word? You put the cart before the horse. There, a lot of people do that. But, hey, we'll we'll see. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We'll see who's who's still around at the end. Uh, we know we will be. And um, what else do we have? Oh, the wealth tax. So I think I talked about Lee Cooperman on here before, but he's interesting. Just look up billionaire Lee Cooperman's uh, videos on CNBC. But uh, he cried about the wealth tax in 2019. But it's back again, so he might shed some more tears because it's actually looking to be more realizable um, in the future. But for people that have a $50 million net worth, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Elizabeth Warren, a Democratic senator, is proposing an extra 2% tax under her new proposal called the wealth tax. Um, So people that have a net worth, that's obviously you know what net worth is, your assets over your liabilities, um, they would pay 2% extra, um, or their fair share, as she likes to call it, and and this will make Lee cry because he does not like this fair share concept. He wants everyone that's worked for theirs to keep theirs. <laughs> um, and if you're a billionaire, Elizabeth Warren says, you'll pay an extra 3%. So I think someone did some calculation. I saw a headline that someone like Baseless would pay $5 billion extra a year in taxes. Um, this will try to make up for the deficit. We're in a huge deficit. We printed money. We printed aid three or four times, um, and this will try to make up for the def- deficit. Warren's tax proposal could carry uh, a carryover from her run for president would affect 100,000 100, households and raise an estimate $2.8 trillion over 10 years. Money, its sponsors say can support child care, early education, and infrastructure. While taxes are distinct from in- income taxes you probably, you're probably filing right now, they apply to net worth, i.e. your physical assets, house, cars, uh, collectibles, intangible assets, uh, minus your debts, loans, mortgages, etc. So obviously, you know what that means. So the bottom line: the bill isn't. Ex- People say the bill isn't expected to pass, even with Democratic, Democratic, excuse me, control of Congress um, and the White House. But uh, it's a pretty um, hefty tax bill that they would try to get across, and it'd need a lot more support to actually pass. But uh, we'll see how that goes down in the very near future. So that's what we got. That's what we got for our for our news update. It was pretty pretty insightful, pretty inventful. Um, But next up, we're going to talk about ESG investing in our finance roundtable. Thank you for listening. Gather round, gather round. We're going to talk in our finance roundtable about ESG investing, environmental, social, and governance investing. Uh, I hear a lot about this quite often with some people that want to look for ways to you know, put their funds and their investments, and their retirements to use into socially responsible areas. They, they, they feel that they'd like to call, maybe call it voting with your dollars or using your money to really go behind things that you believe in. Um, and, and for the majority that's what obviously I do for all clients, but uh, people that have more specific areas where they'd want to. It, it has to make sense in their overall portfolio, but I think it's definitely something that we can all get done, especially in the new market that we are living in today. And let's break it down more. Let's break it down more. ESG investing, environmental, social, and governance, or ESG investing, is a form of sustainable investing that considers an investment's financial returns and its overall impact. Um, there's also a scored scoring you can do for this, uh, which is a little bit too deep dive, I think. But environmental, uh, let's you know we understand that that means environmental factors include how a company mitigates its greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, where the p- products the company creates are sustainable? Um, if it uses natural resources efficiently, how does it deal with recycling? Social, the social component includes both factors, both inside and outside of the company. Does the business participate in community development, such as providing affordable housing or fair lending? Does it carefully consider diversity and equal opportunity in its hiring? Oh, that's an interesting one. I'm sure not many clients, or excuse me, companies would have that. Um, governance uh, refers to the company's leadership and board, including whether executive pay is reasonable, the company's board of directors is diverse, most likely not, uh, whether it's responsive to shareholders. Um, ESV investing is interesting, I think it's a way for people to feel more comfortable about how they're investing. I think that's a big bigger thing especially with millennials and younger investors wanting to kind of feel like they're doing what's right and especially if they're not that totally capitalist or any of those things they want to put their monies to work in a a way that makes sense Um, for me I think it's smart It, it can be it doesn't people just want to invest in like a company that you have to make sure actually has returns, right? The reason we invest is to have money later down the line through capital appreciation. So you're just investing in the company because you like it or because you think they do good things. doesn't always matter, to be honest, in my estimation. They also have to provide a return to shareholders. That's the reason why companies are created. Um, So that's that's something to also consider. And then there's ETFs. There's different things you can do to find uh, ways to do that um and so but yeah i think it's um it helps you you know feel more comfortable the way you're doing things um and sometimes their performance can be good and it's also socially responsible investing which you know is just a way for you could similar similar thing um, but I think uh, for all of us, you know, we're, we vote with our dollars. We vote with our dollars on how we spend our money. We vote with our dollars on how we, who we choose to work with, and how we restaurants we go to all those things. And it is important to sometimes think back, sit back, and think about how you're doing and if you're doing it effectively, which aligns with your values, which I fully, fully, 100% believe in. Always do things based on your values, criterias, and goals. Um, so there's definitely things. If you're someone else that's trying to do that, reach out to me. You know, I do that for my clients, and we're willing to help you make sure that that you're on the right path when it comes to that. So that's our roundtable. That is our roundtable for today. Next up, we got the personal finance question of the week. Questions of the week, folks. Personal finance questions of the week. This one's a little bit different, it's more business oriented, but I thought it was still interesting. So I want to read this reader's question. Um, here it goes. Um, in 2016, I lost my long-term job. The company simply went through a series of changes and my position was no longer needed. They were great to me when I worked there and they gave me a small severance package. I was 55 at the time. I was more than a bit of anxiety-ridden as I wasn't in a position to retire. I was concerned about the process of being rehired at that age. The good news is that I was a saver. I had no debt. I always lived frugally. My husband's job carried the benefits. I woke up every morning at 4 a.m. to research, 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 how best to use my resources. I ended up starting a small business. Once I started, I made mistakes, messed things up, but kept educating myself more and more. There were tough times. They were not easy to get through, but I was determined and kept going. After about 18 months, it was working. Everything fell into place, and the train finally started to get on the track. Now I wake up each day and think I own a small business. My husband even took an early retirement to partner with me. While we're not making 1 million, we crossed over into six figures, six digits over the past few years. We run our business out of our home office after service based on my knowledge from my prior job that I lost. Um, what's the problem? Several times a month, friends and prior co- prior coworkers reach out to us and ask us how things get started in what we do. Um, here's an example of a text that she woke up to. Um, we were thinking about starting a bit our own business as a husband and wife team like you, I want to discuss this with you and learn from your experiences. What day and time would be good for you—early morning or late afternoon? Can you come to our house? These requests send me to the moon and back, and I'm not only—I'm sh- not totally sure why. I'm struggling with being a good human being and helping them versus asking myself, why would I want to train my competition to take business away from ourselves? I liken these friends and former colleagues—the kid at school who would march right to the head of the lunch line to get their food without waiting in the line like the rest of us. My husband and I built relationships across the country, locally. And across the country and locally, but we do not live in a town where there is enough business for all of us. How can you help? Um, interesting question. I thought this was a great question. Um, and how do you attack that? One, I think um, you have to understand that your your life and your business, your path is not the same for everyone. Um, the timing was right for you. You did the research. You did everything that was needed to, re, to, to be done and could never understand, estimate your abilities. Now, The other thing is, yes, um, this is an aggressive sales pitch from the person that's texting you, all the people that are reaching out and just saying, hey, help us do what you do without paying, one, compensating you for it, um, and two, uh, understanding that it would be a competition-based thing, so why would you do that? Totally understand that. I'm someone that keeps everything close to the chest. Don't partner with anyone, to be honest. Don't speak to other advisors. Um, So I think that we have to understand as people, one, as as entrepreneurs, or if you own, work in corporate, your IP, your network, all these things are your stuff to keep and close guard to the chest because they're yours. And people want to, if you're especially in a place where you're getting successful, people will want to take that from you. And that should never be done without either you wanting to do that or two, being duly compensated for that. Um, I always tell that story about a year, many years back when there was someone that was popular on Instagram for some sort of real estate investing thing. And I reached out to the person via DM and she sent me back just like time slots to book time with her. And you cannot speak to her unless you paid X amount of money. At first I was so, um, <laughs> uh, taken aback by it. Um, I thought it was rude, but then now I fully understand. It. I'm like, why would she waste her time speaking to the many random people that reach out to her? without being fully compensated. And that's the same situation here. If you're someone that's your own business, doing something, I mean, even if they're friends, their friends know not to cross the sort of line and take advantage of people. So they're randoms. Other people never waste your time um, unless these per people are going to fully compensate you or there's a value add for yourself, um, in which most cases it's really not um, when someone's reaching out. But sometimes there are, uh, but you want to, again, be careful with your IP. Be careful with your network. Be careful with things that matter to growing you and your family's well-being and protect your energy, too. There's a lot of people that just don't have great energy out there, and I'm very big. I'm protecting my energy and only working and focusing on people that are within my network, and that's really all I do um, and all I will continue to do. It bodes well for me, and uh, I like doing it. So team should protect your energy, protect your well-being. Don't let these uh, py- pythons get into your get into your area. <laughs> But um, that's all we got. We'll finish up with the motivational and personal life update next. Hey, Team New Street! Thank you for listening to another fun, exciting episode—episode episode fifty-eight. Yeah, I think um, I, you mentioned uh, you saw me mention in the last segment the motivation portion. I don't know. I'm very highly um, motivated. I've started doing this Peloton thing, and they they speak a lot of quick-witted truisms, words of, of encouragement, um, motivational words. I think that's to be perfect for me to do that. Um, I'm, I'm such a harsh, not a harsh critic. I think I'm a harsh, straight-to-the-point uh, person when it comes to being transparent with people. So I want words of motivation. If there's any way to motivate T-New should motivate people to listen. Um, you know, I think when I heard from, I think, Allie Love on the Peloton, she said, winners do it once champions find a way to do it every time and that's super important as you wake up every day whatever you're doing whether it's corporate your own business whatever you're working on i try to strive every day to do the best i can do and in a way to to just really shine and work with people and help people as much as possible every every day hard work we all do it we all do it in our corporate world and we all do it in our own businesses every day trying to make sure that we can duplicate success Every day, every 24 hours that we get an opportunity to is super important. Because what is it that you want to do if your goals are ahead of you? If you're doing the the habitual things every day, we're going to reach it. That's a guarantee. Um, There'll be ups and downs, of course. But if you're on that right path, that linear path to it, it'll go there. You'll get there. Um, And It's a pleasure for us to be healthy, safe, and able to do these things that we want to do every day. Uh, that's just how I'm feeling. It's a reflection, (laughs) reflection post, um, personal life update. Um, there'll be some great things. I think a lot of things that I'll be able to share it on my Instagram or whatever soon. Um, but there'll be some more good things with CNBC coming up in the next week or so. Uh, so stay tuned for that. I want everyone that's able to, to be able to watch um, and, you know, share it with friends and family. We might be doing something really, really cool with CNBC coming up. Um, you know, obviously doing more stuff on, on all the different media outlets. Uh, I was on a quick, quick vacation. Uh, thank you for Team New Street, uh letting me regroup, letting me refresh. And now we're back at it harder than ever um, we will not rest until everyone gets to where they want to go. So let's keep keep going, keep pushing, doing the right things. Do not put the cart before the horse. Do the small things first. Do the little things first. You can't just jump from A to Z. There's like what? Just quick, Someone do the quick math. 24 other letters in between there. <laughs> but we're here. We're here. We're back. We're doing it. Um sorry this one's coming out a little bit late, but I really appreciate to you new everyone. Keep listening, keep following along, let's keep sharing this podcast, keep rating, reviewing. Uh, reach out to me if any questions and thank you for listening to this episode.